This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's time for football. Salah. Let's take Cancelo off. Brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Absolutely sensational. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. Hello and welcome back to Just for Kicks with a new football season beginning. We're going to be covering the most important football league in the world. Obviously, I'm talking about the Saudi Pro League. Uh, We're going to cover it from A to A. Our pundits have got each got their Al Itihads, etc. So uh, let's go straight in and uh, re-meet our pundits. So let's start with... Bob Holmes, how are you? I'm very good, thanks. I'm glad to see the same old faces. BFM obviously not tempted to do any fancy new signings. Cautious, <laughs> wary of the financial fair play implications. Good to see you all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure if we're actually Premier League. We're sort of like League Two in in terms of money. But you you you're up to date on uh, Al Ittihad. Uh, I don't know what you think the their chances are of retaining the. Uh, title but we'll come back to you in a moment we have gogolin hi everyone great to be back another season and another great show i hope again i want to say that you know it's always great to be back with uh, bfm on this show you know all our uh, avid listeners over the years it's been what 12 13 14 years of this show and it, you know i always meet people who say you know i always listen to your show it's always heartwarming to listen to that and so thanks everyone good to see everyone back albeit virtually Really, I don't. I don't never get anyone coming up to me saying that, but that's that's great to hear. <laughs> really, I'm sure. <laughs> that's because you do so many other shows, Cam. Uh, maybe. And uh, we have Des Corkill coming to us live from Indonesia today, uh, providing your first telling off of the season. It's only a new season in England. Football has been carrying on around the rest of the globe, including Kuala Lumpur and Malaysia, of mm. course, uh, and the yeah. Women's World Cup is ongoing. Football doesn't stop. It's only England that it's new cameras. Okay. And with that in mind, alongside the Premier League, we will be covering the Women's World Cup quarterfinals and uh, the local football scene and uh, so much else besides. And uh, let's go straight into it. Let's start with going through the matches that are going to be coming up over the weekend that herald this new season. Perhaps if anybody wants to mention the fact that the likes of Riyad Mahrez and uh, Firmino and Mendy, et cetera, have gone to Saudi Arabia, you can mention it along the way. And Goglin, I want to start with you. The first match Saturday will be Burnley versus Man City. The question has to be asked, can Man City retain the Premier League title? They would be the first team ever to win four in a row. Do you think they can do that without Riyad Mahrez and Gundogan, who I thought were just a magnificent plan B? I agree. Well, Gundogan was not plan B, he was plan A. So, But yes, you know, City have, uh, are always going to be the benchmark right now. The way they finished the treble last season, it's no mean feat, you know. Doing the treble in the modern era is, I mean, all United fans can testify to that. And the way they did it in, in some style, so... They are the benchmark. Again, the, I don't see many, many competitors. Liverpool were the upstarts at the point, but I, again, I'm sure we'll delve into it in this uh, show, but I don't see them also posing any threat right now. So City's, City's title to lose, if you ask me. And, you know, Burnley, uh, Vincent Company, coming back <laughs> playing against City, his first game, it's going to be a, it's going to be emotional. But again, Burnley have their stall set out for them this season, right? They, they, their job is to stay in the Premiership as usual. And it depends on how they do it. So, again, uh, if you're asking me about this match itself, 
it is a great opener for the season. Uh, Des, Burnley were runaway champions in the championship. Uh, Man City ultimately quite comfortable champions in the Premier League. Uh, Burnley, I from what I read, they play very attractive football. Can we, I'm, I'm very excited to find out how they're going to succeed in this, this season. What do you think? Well, it won't be a Sean Dyche, Burnley. They'll be worth going to watch, I think. Um, uh, remember when Burnley played Man City in the FA Cup last year and Man City won 6-0? Oh. And we were saying, oh, Burnley might off- offer a bit of a, a, a challenge to City then. Well, it didn't happen then. It's slightly different in it's going to be at uh, Turf Moor and it's the first game of the season and Burnley will be coming out of the blocks, etc. But um, it's difficult to see anybody stopping Man City other than themselves. Gundogan, I think, is a huge loss, but they've gone and poached uh, Gvardiel. And Kovacic. So, in defensively, they're even more redoubtable than they than, than they were last year. Um, can they repeat what what they did last season, Manchester City? I wouldn't bet against them, um, but gosh, I hope not. Because if you get into the Bayern Munich situation, eleven in a row, if you get what would it be six out of seven, if Man City win uh, the league again, it it just goes to say what I've been saying for 20-odd years. Money just wins. Well-spent money will just win. And being able to spend uh, silly money on Gvardial and Kovacic uh, tells you that City have, have still got money money to spend, a lot of money to spend. Difficult to see anything other than a Man City win on the opening day, but Burnley will give it a go. So, uh, Des, where, where have you predicted that Burnley and Man City will finish at the end of the season? I'm predicting uh, Man City to not win the league second, and Burnley to avoid relegation relatively comfortably because I think there's some teams in far more perilous situations than Burnley. And Goglin, where have you got Burnley and Man City? Uh, I've got City right now to win the league and also Burnley at about... Uh, Burnley not to get relegated. All right. Uh, and uh, Bob, where have you got Burnley and uh, Man City? Uh, ditto uh, Gogs, actually. <clears throat> uh, City to win the league and Burnley to avoid relegation. Okay, um, in that in that I'm, vague to avoid relegation zone. So yeah, it is. I don't have a specific number. Just, 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 just avoided relegation. It's zone, not so it, vague at the end of the season when it's an <laughs> almighty scramble. But um, if I just to have a word about City, um, actually, I think they've taken a little bit of a risk in letting Mares and Gundogan go. I think so. They're gonna miss Gundogan's goals. I know they've got Haaland, and it may sound ridiculous to be thinking in terms of City being short of goals. But Gundogan scored very vital goals. He scored 60 from midfield. Mm. Now, that is some in 300 games. Now, that is not bad going, is it? You can think of some strikers who don't even get that many. And uh, whereas uh, Kovacic, his replacement, has only scored, uh, only scored six in 221 for Chelsea. A yeah. stark difference there. Uh, I know well, that he's not bought to buy. He's not bought to um, to score goals, and he's probably even more incisive in the tackle, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and he's a little bit younger. But I really think they're going to miss Gundogan's goals. He has the knack of scoring when they need it hmm. somehow. And Mares also. I mean, it's a toss-up between. It was a toss-up between Bernardo Silva. And Riyad Mahrez, and you've lost you've lost one of them. Bernardo Silva, is he still thinking about going to Barcelona? Yes, possibly. So if they lose him as well, you know, um, and yeah. they're, buying, they're buying midfielders. They're, they're after Paqueta of West Ham. They bought uh, Guardiol, who's a defender, and Kovacic. So 
there's there's no reinforcements in the attack. And you know what I think Pep is doing? I think he's trying to emulate Alex Ferguson. He wants to win it with kids. Not so many. But did you see his face when they uh, Cole Palmer scored in the Community Shield? He was ecstatic as if they'd won yeah. the league. It was like yeah. vindication for his faith in youth. And well, I think you're going to see a lot of youngsters, a lot more youngsters in the side yeah. this season. So, Bob, i got to move you on. And, and you've actually eaten up your uh, Nottingham Forest time. Sorry. Oh, no, I'd never do that. <laughs> you have done. And we move on, though, to uh, the next match. Arsenal versus Nottingham Forest. Arsenal, second in the league last time. And Des, uh, I don't know. Can can this man Arteta move them up a step? They've bought brilliantly. Uh, Rice is a fabulous signing in the heart of midfield. He's a he's a step up from Xhaka. Havertz, um, if used either as an attacking midfielder, is terrific. And Timber will strengthen them defensively. Uh, the, the goalkeeper as well, Rea, um, for Amsdale. They've made four absolutely dream signings and they they only ran out of um out of legs uh towards the end of the season last year and i, I think arteta has strengthened an already strong team trossard will have um, a full pre-season i think arsenal have got a genuine chance of winning the league in fact i'm, I'm predicting it largely because i don't want city to win uh three as it four in a row i don't want that but i i can see arsenal giving this a real go because their signings this year are absolutely exceptional. Stronger defensively, adding a little something offensively. Yeah, Arsenal have got uh, the, the real deal. I've got a real chance. Goglin, I bow to you because you were actually a long time ago saying that you know, trust in Arteta. You're not, you're not an Arsenal fan, but you thought that he had something which I thought was ludicrous. But uh, <laughs> where do you think Arsenal are going to end up this season? Yeah, again, I, I echo what Des is saying. They're going to give City a, a real fight. If you're asking me where the threat is coming from or where the uh, City's main threat it's coming from is from Arsenal. I don't see anybody else right now. Maybe United being an outside bet, but again, you know, I haven't, they haven't strengthened as much as I thought they would. But yes, Arsenal uh, uh, are going to be either. Uh, I would say right now, yes, a very strong second. They will push City all the way, but City okay. will just have the, again. I, I come back to the fact that I've speak say this all the time on the show. Come uh, late March, April, it's when the mentality of champions kicks in. And Bob, you've got mere seconds here. Uh, because the Premier League is going to be having this extra, extra time, but we don't do it here on Just for Kicks. <laughs> Mere seconds, where do you think Nottingham Forest are going to end up at the end of the season? Uh, 15th or 16th. We won't go down. Oh, in the, again, in that vague, in not going to go down zone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, and in a moment, we'll carry on with the Premier League. We'll take a short break. And when we come back uh, here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back with Goglin, Bob and Des. And now uh, we carry on. It's Chelsea versus Liverpool. And Bob, breaking news on Liverpool's buying front. Yes, uh, sensational stuff. Uh, because um, what Liverpool have done is is really what we thought Chelsea would do. Gazump, the other bidder in the race for Caicedo, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, of uh, Brighton, defensive midfielder. He's been outstanding for Brighton uh, for the last couple of years. An Ecuadorian, one of uh, many South Americans that they buy for next to nothing and turn into world beaters. 
Um, so Brighton really know how to how to get a deal. Um, buy low and sell for extremely high. This is a British record. It it tops the Declan Rice deal. Uh, mm. And uh, Declan Rice and uh, for a British player uh, and um, Enzo uh, Fernandez of Argentina for all um, non-British players deals between clubs. So for Liverpool to do this, for FSG to do this, I think has taken, well, certainly me, I don't know about Des, by surprise, because it looked very much as if Liverpool were dilly-dallying, trying to get the best deal for uh, Romeo Lavia of Southampton, who was going for around 50 million. And then, and they were even worried that Chelsea were going to gazump them for him. And then suddenly, this morning, we hear that Liverpool have gazumped Chelsea for Caicedo for twice as much money. So it is uh, really out of character for FSG to do this. Mm. Um, remember last season, they were uh, they were not prepared to uh, buy anybody for uh, midfield. And, um, and now this time, they've gone and really pushed the boat out. Is he any good? Well, uh, he looks exactly what Liverpool need, a defensive midfielder. He's had two or three years in the Premiership. He's an international. He was very good in the World Cup. So, yes, he ticks all the boxes. Um, so, really, I think Liverpool now, the, the whole thing has changed with this. Yeah. Got McAllister, Sabosle, uh, I don't think I'm pronouncing that correctly. And Bobosle. So three top-notch international midfielders. So yeah. Liverpool are in business. Yeah, well, not, not to worry about pronunciations. We had three different pronunciations of Gundogan uh, earlier. So well, uh, we, we still don't have the same pronunciation of my name yet. It's been 15 years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. So, uh, Des, uh, why is buying by Liverpool or a sign of desperation, midfield desperation? So, so first thing, I, I I can't not talk about the obscenity of the money being spent, but there's nothing I can do about it. So let's. You got talk. scammed. You guys got scammed. So Liverpool, Liverpool FSG said um, towards the tail end of last year that there would be two hundred million pounds for um, Jurgen Klopp to spend during the summer. Two hundred million pounds. Uh, this takes Liverpool spending up to two hundred million pounds. And they've also got the uh, money for Fabinho, 40 million, and the 12 million they received for Jordan Henderson. So this is very FSG. It's within their budget. It's within what they said their budget was going to be. It is extraordinarily stupidly expensive for a 21-year-old who's had really one good season in the Premier League. But I did commentaries on Liverpool's matches in Singapore when they played Bayern Munich and Leicester. And in both games, it was terrifying. Because Liverpool were caught on the counter numerous times by Leicester in the first 30 minutes, by Bayern Munich late, late on. And much as though I'd love Curtis Jones to be the answer, uh, I, he wasn't uh, because he didn't nick those balls that you got to just win like Fabinho did for three seasons before he went off the boil. So I think from a footballing sense, it's exactly what Liverpool need to stay competitive. But how well and how quickly McAllister, Caicedo, if it's confirmed, it's got for confirmed, uh, uh, McAllister, Caicedo and Soboslai uh, gel, that will determine Liverpool because defensively they're okay. Canate is okay. Allison's still the, still the best up front. They'll score goals, but you've got to stop goals going in at the other end if you are you are competitive. Liverpool's first four away games include Tottenham away, Chelsea on on Sunday, Tottenham away, and Newcastle away. Liverpool 
could possibly be three defeats down before we're at the first international break. That they just can't afford to do. Uh, so uh, you've got to hope that Casado comes in and Liverpool gel very, very quickly. Otherwise, the season could be over almost before it started. And where do you think Liverpool are going to end up at the end of the season? Uh, third or fourth. One of, one of the guaranteed Champions League places. Oh, but he's still pretty confident. And uh, Goglin, I think I pronounced that correctly. You've <laughs> got... You, you get the Chelsea Minute... Uh, what do you have to say about Chelsea? Terrible season last season. They now have Pochettino. Some people are saying they're going to be top four. Some people are saying, you know, in that mid-zone. No, I, you you cannot have do one of the train wreck that was last season. You cannot outdo that, you know, especially with Chelsea with the players you have. And now they have uh, Poch in there. It's, it's, it's a, stable, a stabilizing factor of sorts. Top four might be a bit of a stretch right now. I, I really won't stick my neck out on the top four call, but top six, yes. With the players they have and Poch, I would back them for top six. Oh, okay. Um, at some point in the season, we will talk about Chelsea again, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> uh, we move on, though. And, uh, Bob, I, it's going to be Newcastle, Al Newcastle, against Aston Villa. Uh, Newcastle did very well. Perhaps some thought ahead of schedule last season. They could step up again. They've got Champions League distractions now. Uh, how do you think they they've set themselves up for this new season? Well, uh, I agree. They've um, they probably got a little bit ahead of themselves. Even their own fans, I don't think, expected quite that last season. But there they are. They're in the Champions League, and they want to make a a good fist of it. And I think that will probably be their priority this year. Um, Champions League. So yeah, yeah. To um, to, to win it. In, I mean, not 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 to win it. Not to win it but to to announce themselves on the world stage, as it were. Um, I mean, it's a Saudi-owned club, after all. You know, they want to make an impact in Europe. And um, I think they, they've got a, a side. They should, with a, a fair wind, they, they should probably get through the group phase, uh, perhaps even quarterfinal. I think that would be um, a, re- a reasonable target. But with um, without a massive squad... And having to play Champions League football in midweek, uh, this is something new for the for the entire squad, something new for Eddie Howe. And it's going to be interesting to see how they cope with it. And I think with the other teams and in the top six, top eight, whatever you want to call it, improving, some can't do any worse than last season, uh, I think Newcastle will struggle to get a top four place this season. Mm-hmm. I think in a way they were allowed to slip into a top four place with the demise of Chelsea or the implosion of Chelsea, the slip of Liverpool and also Spurs. There were three teams there you normally expect to be in the top four who uh, basically stepped back and waved Newcastle through. Um, so I think all the, all three of them, well, possibly not Spurs, given Harry Kane's leaving or likely to leave, um, but certainly Liverpool and Chelsea will be considerably stronger this season. And I think that will be enough to push uh, Newcastle out of the top four. So where do you think they will end up? Oh, fifth or sixth. And this this guy, actually, I think there's a top eight now in terms of football, not in terms of finance, but in terms of football. I mm. think Villa have arrived as, an, as a top eight club. 
they um, they put together a sensational run at the end of last season, you know. Well, I I, I do want to do Villa, obviously, but I want to turn to Gogolin for that. He's a lifelong Aston Villa fan and therefore over the years has been a very sad kind of fella. But last <laughs> season, he got very excited because Villa won the Premier League. Um, they must have <laughs> for the last three seasons, for last three months. <laughs> yeah, I, they must have done because I saw the open top bus parade, and you only do that if you win. Um, <laughs> so, uh, do you think, uh, Gogler, that uh, Aston Villa can retain the Premier League title? Let's not get carried away here. Ooh. But again, you know, uh, like you said, you know, it, I've been, I've never been this optimistic about a Villa side for a very long time. We've got a great manager who, who knows what he's doing, who's, who seemed to be, you know, I've, I've already exposed this, the fact that Villa needs a manager of that magnitude from the continent. He's come, he's put his credentials on show. We, you, like you said, the last three, last two months of the season, where we were the one of the top sides in the thing. And, and we've done really well in this transfer window. I've seen the signings he's done. You know, and he's he's uh, technically done very very technical plays. You know, Paul Torres. I would I would never expect Paul Torres to come. That's a really good. I expect actually Liverpool to sign players like this. You know, Paul Torres and all that. But you know, and, and Diaby Musa Diaby is another one I didn't really again under the radar picked him up. So we we've done quite well. I think we still one or two players. Emi uh, Bundia just uh, ruptured his ACL in training yesterday or something like that. Ooh. So yeah, so that might be a something to look at, but. Back to our season prediction. I, I'm, I'm again. I'm, I would say cautiously optimistic about the season. Go on, go on, Goglin, say it, say it. Where? <laughs> well, well, again, like Bob said, it's a top eight now, right? So I would say we are top six now. Okay. Bearing in mind that actually the fifth place might get Champions League football as well. Yes, I was just want to say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Des. Meanwhile, uh, Brentford versus Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Harry Kane, we can't start this without talking about Harry Kane. Harry Kane. But can I ask, is that uh, transfer done already? Or well, exactly. It, is it just done? About, just about. It's still it, it's still not confirmed, but it's just about. He's on just his... about to Bayern Munich. Yes, correct. And 100 million. Indeed, a bargain, a snip for a 30-year-old. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> Des, I am, a, I am really excited, actually. Seriously, for, for Tottenham Hotspur, because I'm a big Ange uh, Postacoglu fan now. and You I, pronounced I, his name right. Well, who? So what, did we, what did I get wrong? I said go, Goglin. I don't know. Um, anyway, Des Cork Kyle. Um, so, <laughs> well, how do you think Spurs are going to do? So again, I was lucky enough to witness Spurs when they played in Singapore, admittedly against Lion City Sailors. I, I think some of the signings are terrific. Madison is terrific. He's going to be mm. given a free role at number ten. He's 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 going to be great. But um, Harry Kane leaves, and suddenly, who's going to score the goals? Song Hyung Min will be back to his best. He was injured for a lot of last year. He was carrying the Korean nation on his shoulders during the World Cup and then he had a groin injury. I think he'll come back to his best. Can Richarlison um, fill fill the void? I doubt it, but uh, you never know. Um, But I think Madison will add a lot um, defence going forward. Defensively, he's completely revamping. So I can see Tottenham towards the end of the season getting up ahead of steam. But they are so behind the eight ball at the moment. Harry Kane's leaving it is will be such a blow to them going into the season. I can see them getting off to a, a slow start. And I, I tell you, as, as everyone's saying, it's a top eight now. Um, and if you get off to a slow start, you you virtually write off your chance of winning the title. You almost write off your chance of a top four place, which is what's guaranteed for Champions League. And it becomes very difficult to catch up because there's some darn good teams. 
So I can only see Tottenham making top eight, but not because of Postacoglu, but because they've they, they've left the replacement of Harry Kane and the goal scoring element of their of their team so late. So slow start, rapid improvement, too little, too late is my bid for Tottenham. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, Brentford, I'll, I'll do this one quickly. Um, they'll avoid relegation and they won't get into Europe. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Alexandre Romeo Beckham. Have they really? Yes, they have. Oh, wow. Have they? Uh, yes, from into Miami. Wow. Okay. There is a Beckham back. They're going to miss their two best players, Tony and David Raya. Raya. Raya's de- departure is huge. Yes. Uh, yeah. okay, and Sanchez, Sanchez for Brighton. All right, we've done enough on Brentford. Let's move on to Bob Holmes, Manchester United versus Wolves. A lot of people are saying Wolves, relegation, certainties, Manchester United. Some people have said could win the league. I find that a little hard. What do you think? Uh, I Yeah, I, I don't even have them a top four. Oh. Really, I uh, I don't quite get their buying policy or their, or their selling policy. Uh, they've spent uh, roughly £160 million pounds and I don't think they're any better. They've got you, you, an, you, you a, can't fault them for selling Maguire. Though. An inferior goalkeeper <laughs> is he? Uh, David yes. De Gea happened to win the Golden Gloves for the umpteenth time so. last season. We all know about his uh, his feet. He's not very good with them. Well, but the primary purpose of a goalkeeper is to stop the ball going into the back of the net. Some, somebody got to tell Ten Hag that. Well, right. Okay, yeah. that's that's number one point. Inferior goalkeeper. I mean, the guy. The guy is good, and he's he's better than De Gea with his feet. I think Des and, and Gogs are probably both better than De Gea with their feet. But um, he's a brilliant shot stopper, and he kept he kept United. Uh, United would have had an even bigger disaster post Fergie than they did had it not been for De Gea. Let's not forget that. Then the the signings: Mason Mount. Hmm. Not done great, has he? Uh, hardly touched a ball, apparently, in uh, in games he's played. But there is time for him. But a mediocre, you'd say mediocre signing. Um, this guy, uh, Hoyland, uh, similar in name and looks to uh, a certain lad on the other side of Manchester, but I think very much an Erling Haaland light. And they've paid more for him than what City paid for Haaland. Now, I know that they're not paying the same wages and the same deal or anything, but that is a fact. Um, this guy, 72 million for a guy, he may be promising, but he scored nine goals last year. 72 million for a striker who scored nine goals in about 40 games. Now, right. that doesn't suggest to me that, you know, he's, he's the next uh, Dixie Dean or even Gary Lineker. Um, and... Modern references for the young listeners there. I, I don't think. <laughs> I was just about to say. <laughs> I really don't think. It's a jazz singer, right? Sorry? Was that a jazz singer, Dixie? <laughs> no, no, don't, don't do it, Garglund. Don't do it. Don't I don't know do where, um, you know, I, I don't think they're any better. And I, I think, agree. I completely agree with what Bob's saying. I, and I think the, the, the sale has not gone through and ominously... The, the Glazers, they could they could end up staying. Right. Really? Well, okay. I mean, we, we, maybe, we, it was, maybe, it a, maybe it was just all a PR stunt in the first place. They never wanted to sell and just said, you know. I'd forgotten about the sale, actually. Just <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so but we've got to move on, though. Very quickly then, uh, Bob, where do you put Man United? Uh, I'd, I'd put them sixth. 
Gogolin? Um, yeah, fifth. And Des? In the top four. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, we'll come back in a moment. We'll carry on. Okay, with- I've, got, I've got a question to ask. Um, oh, yeah, Des, incredibly Des, quick. Yeah, Des and Bob. You think Villa and United are in the same par right now or what? Very close, I'd say. Very close. Villa not far off, um, but that that um, Buenda news you just said. I think Villa are top six, but um, losing Buenda will, will hurt a little bit. But you've strengthened. So Villa have strengthened massively. It is a top uh, eight. It's terrifying. Okay. All right, Goglin. Don't, 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 don't get cocky. Don't get cocky with the <laughs> yeah, Villa. Yeah, yeah, I know. So, Try right. not to get me on down. shows anymore. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're going to carry on with the Premier League and then uh, women's football, women's uh, World Cup. Amulation game here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back with Goglin and Bob Holmes and Des Corkill. And now we move on to. Now, I also asked the producers of this show to do their um, predictions. And producer Daryl, uh, he may have got something very wrong. He had Everton winning the. Uh, <laughs> the league um <laughs> and and also by the way nottingham forest coming in the top four. Oh he well have, he, yeah and and luton doing very well he may have been talking about relegation in which case he predicts uh liverpool to be relegated so uh bob everton and fulham uh versus fulham i don't even know which one to ask fulham had a very good season last season can they replicate that uh, I doubt it. Um, there's a lot of doom and gloom about uh, Fulham, mainly concerning their manager and uh, star player Mitrovic, um, both of whom were rumoured to be going to Saudi Arabia. But they haven't gone, although that doesn't mean they're, they're not going. Although Silva, I think he's said he's staying. But Mitrovic is hankering for a move, if not Saudi, somewhere else. Um, they haven't really signed anybody. Uh, so Fulham are not expected to uh, do as well uh, this season. Everton, well, they've they've hardly signed anybody. And if you're a betting man, it might be worth a, a few quid on uh, Everton to go down because they face a, a tribunal in October when uh, they could well get docked points and they only escape by the skin of their teeth. Last year, as they practically the same the year before, uh, if they're going to survive this year, it'll be a close run thing. If they get docked more than two points, you could almost say that that's the end of Everton. And yeah, there's a what... pretty good chance of them getting docked. There, that's the that's the sense uh, I'm I'm getting. Yeah, that that's a terrifying prospect, Des, because this is their last season at Goodison, and I mean, come on, that can't happen, can it? I'm afraid uh, Bob's got it dead right. I'm, I'm hating it. I'm agreeing with everything the boys are saying at the moment. <laughs> I, th- I think Everton are in real, real trouble because they've not been able to sign. Uh, in fact, they've, they've, they've lost players more than, more than signed players. Um, and even Ellis Sims, who I thought might have been a young kid who can come up and uh, support them going forward and score some goals. He had a good time at Sunderland. He's left. He's gone to Coventry um, or been sent to Coventry. <laughs> um, so I, I, I just can't see Everton... Even if there is no points deduction, it's it's doom and gloom. There's no money being able to, uh, to to spend. Even the stadium, which I love, it's beautiful. It's behind schedule. I'm not sure it'll be ready for the start of next year, but it's it's all doom and gloom. And uh, even the most um, optimistic 
relatives I've got who are Evertonians are, 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 are shutting down when I'm saying uh, Everton uh, are going to go down. They're saying, yeah, we can't really argue against it. I really think they've got a problem. And it's only because there's a Wolves and a Luton and a Sheffield United and a Bournemouth who were due to implode as well. That, that I think um, that's the only possibility of them staying up in the other teams might be worse. But Everton, oh dear, dear, dear. Well, as I say, producer Daryl has them winning the Premier League. So. Good old Daryl. Optimism. <laughs> Optimism is good. Yeah, or just real strange stupidity. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. He writes good stories, Daryl. He writes good yeah, stories. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gogolin, Brighton versus Luton. Luton uh, sorry, Brighton uh, continued to be the surprise package. The, 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 the club, I think, that everybody wishes they were in terms of the way they're run. Um, uh, can Brighton... We're not talking about the top eight. Uh, they're, they're, they are top eight. They are. They are. They are. The, the way the, the club is run, the, the players, the, the recruitment policy, the scouting policy, everything is hats off. You know, it's a, I think they'll do a case study on this soon. Again, if you keep selling your best players, there is a time where it's going to take a toll on the team. It's a, it's, a, it's a long season. It's a hard season. So, you know, you can do it once, but if you keep doing it, keep selling your really best players, I, I, I don't see how it's sustainable. Um, unless you just keep buying new great players. Again, you need players to gel and everything. It's, it's a time factor, right? What is your policy? If your policy is going to be this, and this is your, this is the business of Brighton, then it's not sustainable. This yeah, Southampton. Southampton, Southampton it, was the Brighton a few seasons ago. This yeah, was Brighton, Brighton have managed to to do it. Uh, for for now, they're doing it for now. For now How long yeah. is it for there? Yeah. They, they, seem, they seem to get better though, don't they? Yeah. Exactly, you guys I know. I seem know. to be better yeah, than the guys they've they've just sold. <laughs> this well, is true. But James it... Milner in for McAllister and Caicedo. That's, that's a fair swap. <laughs> <laughs> Experience, um, Des. Yeah. Okay, okay. Well, Bob, um, a team that'll be new to a lot of uh, Malaysian listeners, Luton. Uh, with now, I think a lot of people have seen one of the worst stadiums ever to be involved in the Premier League. <laughs> um, what what can we what can we expect from Luton? Well, I think you can expect a raucous atmosphere at uh, a 10,000 capacity Kenilworth Road, which is uh, still having the finishing touches put to it. Uh, they've had to delay uh, their their first home game, so that, that can be done. I think everybody knows that one of the entrances to the ground is through the what used to be the upstairs bedroom of a terraced house. <laughs> um, so... I mean, it's not all uh, fat cat stairs. Um, the little guys are still making an Im impact, you know. And I think we'd all uh, love Luton to stay up, uh, just to thumb their noses at the at the fat cats. But it's it's looking uh, unlikely. The the players they've got, nobody nobody's really heard of them. Uh, they they came up through the um, playoff final. Uh, they've had a meteoric rise. Um, I think everyone knows that they were once in the top flight. It was then called the First Division. They actually won the League Cup one year in the 80s. Uh, they they do have a bit of history, but they fell on hard times. They went out of the league altogether. They were dock points. They were virtually bankrupt, resurrected themselves under the fan uh, ownership, and they've uh, found a good manager in uh, Rob Edwards, I think it is, um, and he's taken them up uh, three divisions, and here they are in the Premier League. It, it's an amazing story, and it's great for the game, just even if, even for them to have one season there. This is the kind of thing you can't get in a Super League. 
Yes, it's true. And uh, and also, if he's taken them up three leagues, he'll probably get fired this season. <laughs> it's, just always, it's terrible. I don't hate the way they do that. Um, Des Corkill, Sheffield United versus Crystal Palace. Sheffield United, one of the original founders of uh, football. And uh, see, I, I think I know a bit of history too. And uh, Crystal Palace, now managed by that young manager with his ponytail and he plays hacky sack and I know he has guitar um, because last season Crystal Palace were playing some really exciting football. Yeah, um, they've lost Wilson Zaha, um, who's, who's disappeared very quietly actually on a free to out, out to Turkey. Um, so I don't think they're going to be stronger, but they've been very consistent over the last three or four years. I think their average placing in the last three years is is, is 12th. And uh, I, I think they're strong enough defensively to to do that. They'll score enough goals with uh, SA and um, uh, the, the strikers that they have got to to be able to stay away from relegation problems. Remember, though, they were in relegation issues for under Patrick Vieira at one stage last year. That's mm. when uh, young Roy came in and and, and helped them out. But uh, I can see them being safe enough without um, without making a single headline all year. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's, yeah. that's the that's the the, the kind of, of team that they are, and that um. So Bob was talking about the the joys of of getting a Luton in, but you if a team like Crystal Palace have got no chance of winning, and their only way of of um of, of making money is to just be average, it, it takes away an awful lot of the the glory of playing football, uh, because if you haven't got a chance of winning, and Palace don't of, of winning the league or making Europe, then yeah, what what do the I, fans do? But hang on, are you seriously saying that back in the golden day, whenever that was, that every team had a chance? Palace came third. Nottingham Forest were promoted and won the league, uh, the league, the league title. Ipswich won the league title after being promoted. Uh, Derby County and and Leeds and Liverpool both came up yeah, for the second position and went up but, and won the title in in future years. So yes, I am saying exactly that. And and that emergence of new teams and the possibilities. Manchester United were relegated. That was great. Manchester City being down to to level to level three. Arsenal haven't gone down. Everton haven't gone down. But they they've struggled. Had some good years, some bad. Yes, there's been opportunities for small teams to win the league. Bob, I mean, seriously, was there a golden age? We're talking so far this episode about a top eight. I mean, sure, when no one said that Manchester City can get toppled, but we're talking about a lot of teams that can really fight for a European place. I mean, that's that's a golden age, isn't it? Uh, it is, in a way, yes. For all the moaning, groaning we do, I think you've got to say that that, that is for the Premier League. Yes. And... Uh, purely financial of course the premier league is top dog they've spent more money at now i think in the last two or three transfer windows the premier league has spent more money than the other uh top three or four leagues combined uh the crowds in the championship uh tier two are the fifth biggest or could, could even be fourth biggest um in europe only the Bundesliga and uh, La Liga are are bigger, besides the Premiership, of course. I think it, 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 Italy has had a bit of a revival. I think they might have superseded uh, the, the Championship last season. But there was a season when the Championship was bigger than Serie A. So this is a golden age for mm. English football. I take, mean, take uh, that, Des Corkin. The, the Financial Times is saying that it's the last bit of the British Empire 
I mean, it's the, it's the one, it's the one thing. No, it's said, it's said with humour, Gogs. Um, it's the one thing that the country still has that the rest of the world look up to. It's only a Brit who plays there. It's nearly just about foreign players and foreign money. And, and no, it doesn't matter. I mean, the, it doesn't matter. It does. No, I mean, well, the empire it's, it's, consisted mostly of okay. uh, of uh, non-Brits, didn't it? <laughs> well, then, Gogolin, let me turn to you. We still actually have one more match, but yeah, you know, you you are a Malaysian. Uh, football fan, you've watched the Premier League and the old first division from a great distance. How, how do you think that today's football now, this Premier League, stands against the ones you've watched in the past? No, I think it's uh, it's 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 become a game that's like I know I'm going to sound like a angry old man, but yeah, it's changed completely. There's it's it's, it's there's no level playing field anymore. All right, it's the the, the never the, was. There never was, but not in such magnitude. Not in in such. It's such the discrepancies become such this thing that you know. Ever since Roman came in, and you know, and the oil money started pouring in, you've the the goalposts have changed. So every time, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking as a fan of a Villa, you know, and every time you you we became a club that you know, every time you achieve something with players, you get the players get bought by the bigger clubs, and the goalposts kept changing. We were top six for a long time with Martin O'Neill. We were top six three seasons in a row. And then the goalpost, the manager left, and the other teams, you know, got all this petrol money coming in and all that. And the goalpost changed. And we are no different. We have got, you know, wealthy owners now and all that. So is it rising tides to uh, take all ships up? You know, I don't know that. But the 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 but from a football sense, yes, it's become more exciting to watch because it's right. the player, great players to watch now. On, on, on Unless the you're a Crystal Palace fan. <laughs> <laughs> Who will get? I think we all agree. Twelfth, twelfth, uh, yeah. Uh, well, if producer Daryl's predictions come true, where it's going to be Everton, Luton, and Nottingham Forest in the top four, then it could be pretty. Some, somebody some tell season, Darryl, somebody yeah. tell producer Daryl to put fifty quid on Everton. Yes, <laughs> I, I did straight away. It said you may not be a gambling fan, but it's worth a try. Yeah, um, it's, it's, I remember famously I said the Leicester were going to get relegated the season they won the league. <laughs> Yeah. On this very show. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, apologies to fans of Bournemouth and West Ham. Uh, we <laughs> ran out of time. Uh, very quickly, predictions. Where's Bournemouth going to end up and West Ham? Bob Holmes. Uh, both will avoid relegation. Oh, there's a... Okay. So who's getting relegated, actually? <laughs> Everton, I think Luton and Sheffield United. Oh. I, where do you put, where do you put uh, Bournemouth? I think Bournemouth Ham? will get relegated this season, though. And okay. Palace, yeah, Palace will be yeah seventeenth or something. Des uh, Cockill relegation: Everton, Sheffield United, and Bournemouth. I think they are just living on borrowed time. You think Luton will survive, Des? Uh, by the skin of their, t- I, th- I think that home stadium is going to be such an advantage. <laughs> As <laughs> As it no, well, that I mean, the home stadium yeah. worked for Nottingham Forest. Uh, that was uh, that was worth points. Yeah, but you didn't have to go in through someone's bedroom. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, so, he's being uh, defensive now. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> if if Luton stay up, then Forest go down. So uh, anyway, nah. we'll take a when we come back, we will be talking about the Women's World Cup and the Malaysian game here on Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks BFM eighty nine point nine. Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine. And we're back. Welcome to part four. I'm pretty sure this is part four of Just for Kicks. And now we go to the Women's World Cup, which has been happening in uh, Down Under. And it's been filled with shocks. The quarterfinal stage we're at now, and it's minus the United States. 
and uh, that's quite remarkable. So uh, the one of the games has just been played, Spain versus Netherlands. We understand that uh, the Netherlands just won. Sorry, Spain won 2-1. Spain, Spain, Spain won 2-1. Won. Yeah, I haven't been following the World Cup too closely because uh, summertime is Tour de France time for me. And uh, <laughs> so, um, Des, I think you've been uh, following it perhaps a little closer than most. It's been a really topsy-turvy World Cup. Well, it has. Um, Australia are hosting it and it's commercially been a remarkable success. The Australian games have sold out and they've, they've gone on it really big in Australia. And New Zealand, although New Zealand went out earlier than they hoped, um, it was perceived to be a successful um, competition for, for New Zealand women. And in Southeast Asia, we had the Philippines represented by uh, a, a group of players who were predominantly United States based. Um, but they they went out. Um, but Philippines playing in a World Cup is 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 great. I keep talking about this for the men. You expand it and you get feel good stories around the world. But now we're down to the to the, the to the the final eight, and the, the quality is really very very good. There've been some excellent goals. Uh, um, really good defensive play. It's not as physically um, obvious as as the men's game. There are obvious differences between the two, but it's a it's a fine sport in its own right. And the Netherlands, uh, sorry, Spain will be strong. Japan are holding up the Asian flag. They've got um, the match against Sweden. And then Australia versus France and England, Colombia. So there's a potential Australia-England semi-final. And that, I think, would uh, really whet the appetite in both nations because both are, are desperate. They're so pushing this uh, the, the women's football. They're so pushing it that a little bit of success could be a real spark on top of the, the European Championship for England, could be a real spark for the women's game in England. Yeah, Gogolin, the, the, the women's game has been picking up over time and it that would be a good thing uh, because in the United States, especially, soccer is a girl's sport. Well, it's 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 been amplified in such a way that the marketing has taken on such a way that the America has seen the flag bearer for women's football. But you know, it's 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 been playing globally, and you can see now the standard of football in the World Cup. I'm just surprised that we don't get to watch it live. You know, it's, mm. yeah. so again, the standard it's of on FIFA Plus it is available on streaming. And I was talking about our cable operator. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised that we didn't get that. Uh, like at least the women's World Cup, after all, and it's in you know a time zone that we can generally relate to. But again, back to the standard of quality of football, it's the women's football has grown tremendously. Some time it was kicked off, you know, and and the the fan base that it has is tremendous, especially with all the uh, what do you call it, uh, advocacy for it. Yeah. Hey Bob, you're you are uh, just for kicks is uh, resident historian of the game. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, you saw Dixie Dean, you know, going down <laughs> going down the wing or wherever it was he went. Uh, <laughs> well, Des Corkill knows he, he knows things too. But um, there was a time actually when the England in England there was uh, a women's league, and uh, and then it got crushed. It got snuffed out. It got declared illegal or something yeah yeah it, it's a ridiculous uh, history um around the time of the first world war i mean we really have to go back here i wasn't around but um the uh, the record crowd there were there were 54,000 at everton's uh, goodison park to watch uh, a, a club game and um they, that was the peak and Somebody decided in the in the FA that uh, women should not make a spectacle of themselves and 
uh, it, lo- it looked bad when they got injured and this kind of stuff. And they banned it. And women's football was actually banned for about 50 years. It's hard to believe. In England, I mean, a football-mad country. And this didn't help uh, get women interested in football. Um, Now, slowly, more women are being seen at men's football, which is a good thing. It actually makes the men behave a bit better. You still get isolated incidents, but it has coincided with a general drop in hooliganism. So women's football altogether is a good thing. It's not bad in itself. It's quite a spectacle. I think most men would have to admit they've been surprised at the quality of some of the play. Uh, It's a pity for the United States that they seem to be on a bit of a downer, both men and women. Uh, They are hosting the next World Cup, men's World Cup. It's only three years away. And it all, it always helps a tournament if the host is half decent and can make a run, uh, get through the group phase and that sort of thing. And the United States used to do that with uh, on a regular basis. But the last few years, they've gone off the boil. They haven't been producing um, native uh, players. The, their league is improving. Messi has obviously made a, a massive impact in interest but he'll be just seen as a as a sort of one-off, rather like Pele was in the past. And uh, it needs uh, American uh, nationals to improve and to produce a, d- a decent United States team mm. for the for the U.S. public to get behind the World Cup. If they if they did, it, it really would be something because it's I mean it's a massive country. They've got people all over the place of of uh, various ethnic groups. Every country has a fan base, basically, in every major city there. But if the locals were, uh, the the Americans were also into it, it, it would be a sensational success. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, we now turn to, well, as Des Corkill said right at the top, football didn't stop uh, during the season, just the Premier League. And so, meanwhile, Malaysian football has been continuing, Des. Uh, and what has been happening? Johor have been winning. They've won the FA Cup. They beat Kuala Lumpur 2-0 in the FA Cup final last month. And by the end, Monday night, they could be champions of the Malaysia Super League with six matches to play. So Johor play Perak on Sunday. If Johor win and Selangor either lose or draw uh, their match against Negri Sembilan on Monday, Johor will be champions with six matches to play. They remain unbeaten. 19 wins. Actually, they remain perfect. 19 wins out of 19 matches. They've got a goal difference of plus 70. They are an excellent football team, a really, really good football team. Their real target, I think, um, well, the first target will be to go through the season unbeaten. Um, Then the second target to win every match. The real thorn in their side seems to be a match of Pahang on the penultimate day of the season. There was a potential thorn last uh, uh, during the week where they went to Sabah, full house at Kota Kinabalu. Sabah have got a good team. Johor won five one. Johor are just a, a an excellent footballing side, strong defensively, excellent in midfield, terrific goal scorers. Forestieri, although he's injured, has been outstanding. Hebati has come in and scored three goals in four games and looks to be a, a, a real difference. And so they, they could be champions. The rest of the league isn't bad. Salango are decent. I saw them beat Kuala Lumpur um, uh, earlier in the week, 2-0. Um, Salango are chasing the, the second place. Kedah are decent. Uh, Pahang are decent. It's not a bad league. Just Johor are absolutely 
phenomenal. And uh, last we spoke, uh, one goal had been scored against them. Has that has that changed? Four. Four now. Two of them absolute spankers. One, a scramble goal inside the six-yard box and one penalty. So four goals conceded in 19 matches. Remarkable. Okay, that's going to hurt. So uh, as we wrap up then, I want to finally just find out if if you guys are looking forward, forward to this upcoming Premier League season, and indeed, what would you be looking forward to? And uh, what kind of big up? Is there, is there a big upset on the horizon? Uh, Bob? Well, I'm looking forward to a ding-dong battle for the title, as well as top four. I mean, we we pretty much agree there's eight contenders for top four places, not for the title. I think there's only really two, possibly three contenders for the title, City, Arsenal, and maybe Liverpool. Um, but, uh, I, uh, so, I mean, that alone, eight, eight clubs going for four places that I think will keep us, uh, on the edge of our seats. The, uh, uh, bottom will also provide some entertainment. I think Crystal Palace, uh, hovering between 12th and 13th, uh, maybe not so, but there's only one (laughs) Crystal Palace. The rest, the rest will, uh, the rest will keep us uh, entertained. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Goglin, what are you looking forward to? Uh, I think, as usual, every time I'm very optimistic about the Premier League. Every time it starts, it's also you know weekends are occupied again. We get to watch football all over again. You know, it's been a quiet couple of months, but uh, it's the, the Premier League. I'm I'm referring football here on the Premier League because we do so much on the Premier League on this show. But the Premier League keeps us, you know, the ding dong that goes on. It's 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 you never know. You, it's, there's no sure thing with it. it. It's perpetually keeping you on your toes, and, and that's the that's the beauty of the Premier League. I mean, we're talking about the British Empire and everything. The Premier League, the product that the Premier League is, is un, unmatchable right now in any other league. And Aston Villa are going to win. <laughs> something hopefully yeah yeah well you're going to be tussling with uh, nottingham forest at the top ding dong at the top uh, des um i i know that you look you hanker back to what in 1954 the golden age of football uh 66 uh, mate he was there that's bob that's bob. Oh, sorry bob uh, is there anything what are you looking forward to anything Listen, I, I don't hanker back I, I i just i get incredibly concerned at the at the ridiculous amounts of money the money is the winner in in all in all circumstances, that's my biggest beef. Saying that the football is sensational, the playing surfaces are beautiful, the the crowds are full, the the television coverage is second to none. Uh, we've got something to discuss each and every week. Uh, there are genuinely, I think, um, eight teams in with a chance in with a chance of a top four. There's a chance of Manchester City being knocked out. Um, I can see one of the big teams, either Everton or a Wolves, being relegated. There is so much to look forward to, and we'll be debating and discussing. So I, I love the game. I just hate the way it has become so financially orientated. And I the 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 hypocrisy when English Premier League stubs Carter complaining that Saudi Arabia was coming in and spending too much money in the English Premier League. I nearly mm. fell off my chair when I heard a couple of the comments about that. Um, I just hope football could come back to the roots that it, it, it once had. I know it won't, but I'll keep uh, I'll keep going on about it. Yeah, when football clubs were owned by a scrap merchant dealer from Sheffield who was just richer well, when, than the When there was more of a the chance of a, of a Crystal Palace winning the league or coming top three. Could happen. That's the great thing about the beginnings of seasons. Anything seems to be about to happen. And uh, so we look forward to what will happen. Manchester City will win. And uh, and all the unpredictable other things. So thank you so much to Bob Holmes. 
Thanks, everybody, and let's have look forward to a great season. And thanks to Gogol. Thanks, everyone, and uh, look forward to speaking to speaking to you guys from here for the rest of the season. And thank you also then to Des Corkill. And don't forget, there's uh, Malaysia League games going on on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday of this week. Don't forget the local game. If we forget the local sport, we're in trouble. Absolutely, and thank you to uh, producer Hanif Baharudin. And uh, I remembered beginning of the season. And uh, so from me, Cam Ruslan, thank you. See you next time here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. For more football, tune in Mondays and Fridays at 8pm. Just for kicks on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.